Now, before we get going this morning, I'll just to save time by telling you the principal sources I drew on in putting this together. A great scriptural scholar, the Belgian Jesuit, Father Cornelius Lapide, who wrote in the years right around 1600, several articles from the American Ecclesiastical Review, which were published in the 1800s, and Dr. Warren Carroll, who's a great living Catholic historian and founder of Christian cause. There were other things, too, but that's the main one, so I don't have to do a bunch of quote-unquote. When the first Spanish missionaries arrived in America, they were regularly amazed at the strange things they encountered. Everywhere they went, Mexico, Chile, Peru, Brazil, Paraguay, they encountered stories of a bearded and clothed stranger who many centuries before had preached of God to the Indians. And what sort of things had this stranger preached to them? In southern Mexico and Chiapas, they worshipped this God who is the son of a virgin who is now in heaven with him. This God was scourged, crowned with thorns, put to death by crucifixion, and all this had taken place on a Friday. People of Chiapas had also learned in ancient times to confess their sins and to fast every Friday in honor of the death of their God. They also knew that this crucified God remained dead for three days, and the third day came back to life again. Father Bernardino de Sahagun, a saintly Franciscan, was one of the first missionaries sent to Mexico in 1529. He's perfectly fluent in Aztec, and at the command of his superiors, he wrote the great work, The History of New Spain. In it, he states that in ancient times, quote, a venerable white man, with long hair and a beard and walking with a staff, preached the holy law and a fast of 40 days all over America and erected crosses revered by the Indians, to whom he announced that other men of his creed would come from the East to instruct and rule over them, close quote. He also states that this fact was established by the hieroglyphics of, New of Mexico, by the ancient songs and also the quipos of Peru, that's their little knotted string kind of record books, in all the histories that have been written thus far by the Spaniards. That probably strikes most of us as completely fantastic. The gospel preached in the New World before the Spanish arrived. But it really shouldn't be that surprising if we take the words of our Lord seriously. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels, and in the Acts, the scriptures clearly record that Christ our Lord commanded the gospel to be preached by the apostles to all the nations. For example, Mark chapter 16. He said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter 1. But he said to them, You shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost part of the earth. And later in the Acts, and in St. Paul's letter to the Romans and Colossians, Scripture states that the faith has been spoken of in the whole world. Now many of the fathers explain these passages absolutely literally, that the faith was preached literally throughout the world. For example, Tertullian, an early writer, commenting on Romans 10, states clearly that the gospel has been preached to the entire world, not simply all the known nations, both civilized and barbaric, but to all the nations and islands, remote and unknown. Pope St. Gregory the Great states clearly that the mystery of our redemption has been announced 
in every part of the universe. To make the list short, I'll simply limit it to citing the doctors of the Universal Church who teach this same fact. St. Hilary, St. John Chrysostom, St. Jerome, St. Ambrose, St. Gregory the Great, the Venerable Bede, St. Thomas Aquinas. Now these great saints, these fathers and doctors of the Universal Church, all teach that the Gospel was literally preached all over the world. The explicit command of our Lord to preach even to the uttermost parts of the earth was literally fulfilled. According to Salapide, commenting on these, on these very notes, no, on these very ideas, notes, quote, Just as God formerly had divided up the Holy Land for the twelve tribes, so also God divided up the whole world to be converted by the twelve apostles. And each one went to and converted whatever territories and nations to which he had been assigned. Okay, so we have the fathers and doctors stating the faith was preached everywhere. We have this idea that the apostles had actually had it divided up, the world divided up, and had assigned territories. We have a specific evidence of this preaching here in this hemisphere witnessed to by Saintly Franciscan writing in the early 1500s, who says that it was a simple fact attested to by all the codices of Mexico, by the ancient songs and quipos of Peru, and all the histories written by the Spaniards, then a venerable white man with long hair and a beard, and walking with a staff, preached the gospel all over America. Who was this venerable bearded evangelist? Do we know? Yes, because the Indians told the Spanish missionaries his name. Before we look more closely at his work in this hemisphere, let's look briefly at his work in the, West, in the other hemisphere. His feast day is this coming Wednesday. His name is St. Thomas the Apostle. Of course, we're familiar with the story of Doubting Thomas that we see in the Gospel of St. John. After the resurrection, when our Lord tells Thomas, who didn't believe he had resurrected, to come put thy finger in and see my hands, and bring him thy hand and place it in my side, and be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answers and said to him, My Lord, my God. We all know that. But today, let's look a little bit more of the rest of his story. Our Lord commanded the apostles to teach all nations just before he ascended into heaven on Ascension Thursday. What did that mean in the case of St. Thomas? What nations was he sent to? In his commentary on the story of Doubting Thomas, Cornelius Lapidi answers this question. We'll use the modern names for these countries. Quote, Indeed, St. Thomas's faith was weaker than the other apostles. But apparently Christ then made him stronger and more faithful than all the apostles, since he traveled alone through almost all the lands of the whole world preaching the gospel. St. Thomas preached from the extremes of southern Libya and Ethiopia all the way to India, including Iraq, Iran, the area around the Persian Gulf, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, southern Russia, the regions around the Caspian Sea, and he even evangelized China. Indeed, he penetrated into the New World to America. Close quote. We know from tradition that when St. Thomas got to Iran, he baptized Caspar, Melchior, and Balthasar, the three wise men, the Magi, and ordained them bishops. And they spent the rest of their lives preaching the faith. Later, the relics were brought from Persia to Jerusalem, and then St. Helena, the mother of Constantine, brought them back to Constantinople, and eventually they found their way 
to Cologne, Germany, where the cathedral was built. The largest reliquary in the world is in the cathedral of Cologne, Germany. It has the relics of the Magi. I know there are at least relics of one of them here in the diocese because Father Cooper has a relic of one of them that you get from Cologne, but that's at the cathedral in Cologne. St. Thomas traveled through the lands of Central Asia preaching the gospel and wound up in the northwest part of India in a kingdom that includes what's now Pakistan, a kingdom in which the demon Shiva is worshipped. He established the church there, left it in the care of a native Indian. Then after being gone for some years, in the year 52 AD, according to both Christian and Hindu records, he showed up again in India, this time landing on the southwest coast, that's the Malabar coast. The writings of the Brahmins tell how, quote, Thomas, an opponent of all Hindu writings, close quote, came to the Malabar coast, and then, quote, converted many prominent people in the land. Calagir, 3153, that's 52 AD for us, the foreigner Thomas Sanyasi came to our village and preached there, causing pollution. That means causing Catholicism. We therefore came away from that village, close quote, the pagans. Christian tradition tells of the cure of hundreds and the baptism of thousands by St. Thomas. One year in the year 72, or one day in the year 72 AD, St. Thomas was praying in a cave in a hill near modern day Madras. This cave is near Temple of Kali. Kali is the goddess of death. She's depicted typically with a necklace of skulls, riding a horse, and the saddle is made out of the skinned out by, skinned out skin of a man with the skull flapping on it, his head's left in it. And she drinks human blood from a chalice that's made out of two parts of crowns of the skull uh, glued together upside down. Her worshippers are called thuggies. That's where we get the word thug. And they typically offer sacrifice to Cali as worship. The sacrifice that thuggies offer to Cali is human sacrifice. Anyway, St. Thomas is praying, and some Brahmins from the temple of Cali attacked him. One pierced his heart with a lance. He died there on a stone near Mylapore, India. The stone now has a cross engraved on it. On numerous occasions over the years, this stone has been seen to ooze blood on the 18th of December. Diocesan authorities have certified that at the end of at least one bleeding, the stone turned a glistening white before it reverted back to its original black. St. Thomas Christians of India, those are Cyril Malabar Catholics. They belong to the Cyril Malabar, right? They traced the founding of their church directly back to the Holy Apostle Thomas. They also hold that St. Thomas preached to the Chinese, perhaps during the years between leaving northwest India, Pakistan, and coming to southern India. In fact, as Father Lapide points out, the customary title of the patriarch of the Cyril Malabar Church is the Metropolitan of India and China. St. Francis Xavier found traces of St. Thomas preaching among the islanders off the coast of China. And they said that St. Thomas preached to the men beyond the great island. Beyond what great island? No one's really sure. Might be Sri Lanka, it might be Sumatra. Anyway, where beyond the great island did St. Thomas preach? In the New World. We'll cite a few examples. Brazil. Fasagun said, stated, quote, anyone who reads the Chronicles of Brazil must be impressed with the fact that since ancient times, the names of Jesus, Mary, and St. Thomas have been preserved. The Brazilian natives showed the missionaries the path St. Thomas used to travel to Peru. His preaching was still remembered by the tribes there. When he departed, he left his footprints on rocks, and these were still to be found in eastern Brazil, where Father Manuel Nobrega of the Society of Jesus saw them, as he noted in a letter of 1552. Peru. 
Most ancient traditions of the Peruvians tell of a white-bearded man who arrived in Peru from a southerly direction, clothed in a long, violent garment, red mantle. He taught the people to worship the true God and Creator, rather than the sun and the moon. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons. He left a notched stick with a great chief in order to remind everyone of the commandments of God. His name, Thonapa Arnava, seems to be a corruption of Tama, Tama Papa, and Arnava signifies to pour water, perhaps referring to baptism. Sahugan notes that the Peruvians gave the name of Pai Tomes, or Father Thomases, to the missionaries after the Spanish conquest. Although, quote, overzealous missionaries pondered out ancient inscriptions on rocks, which were venerated by Indians as precious relics of the venerable man who preached to them a holy law, St. Terubius, the Archbishop of Lima, during the time of St. Rose of Lima, gave orders to cover all such places with chapels because he was convinced that the old traditions were deserving of religious respect. Close quote. Paraguay. May 1st, 1533, the leader of five Franciscans into Paraguay wrote a letter in which he states they had been received like angels by the natives, from whom he learned that four years before a prophet had arrived amongst them and announced that soon brothers of St. Thomas would come to baptize them, and that the newcomers would not only not harm them, but do them great good. He taught them songs on how to keep the commandments and many other Christian teachings. In year 1609, when Fathers Cataldino and Mocheda met the Goranaris, the chiefs assured them that according to their ancestral traditions, a learned man named Pai Tuma, or Pai Zuma, Father Thomas, had preached in their country the faith of heaven and made many conversions among them. When he left, he prophesied that they and their descendants would abandon the worship of the true God. But in the distant future, other messengers of the same God would come with a cross like he carried and would restore among them the faith he had preached to them. Some years later, in another district of Paraguay, two other priests were greeted with great joy by the Indians when they saw them approach with the crosses in their hands. And they're told the same story, although they referred to Pai Tuma as Pai Abara, which means the celibate father. In all these regions, the first missionaries were called the Pai Zumas, or Father Thomases, by the natives. Uruguay. The natives could still point to a place where he had sat down to rest. The traditions were that St. Thomas had prophesied the later coming of men who would teach their descendants the faith of the true God. The Codices of Mexico, the Quipas of Peru, the testimonies of various tribes throughout Central and South America, and the reports of the Spanish and Portuguese missionaries all witness to the preaching of St. Thomas in this hemisphere. Okay, but how would St. Thomas possibly cover so much of the globe in such a short time? Well, in the Old Testament, we have the example of Prophet Habakkuk, who traveled from the Holy Land to Babylon and back in the twinkling of the eye when the angel took him to feed Daniel, when the prophet Daniel was in the lion's cave. In the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, we have the deacon Philip, who after he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch in the desert, was snatched up by the Holy Ghost and taken to the coast of the Gaza Strip in the twinkling of an eye. Recent times, we have scores of eyewitness accounts of the great 19th century Cuban bishops in Anthony Mary Claret. There's scores of accounts of him who traveling almost instantaneously from one place to another, leaving a village, walking out of the church, and being in the next village at the same time almost as he left. And they, the people would try to catch up to him. They couldn't. He'd take off walking, just go right over the hills. They'd, they'd watch this. They couldn't keep up to him. Okay. Who knows? St. Thomas may have been very well been given the same kind of graces dating. After all, he's working for exactly the same boss as Habakkuk the prophet, Philip the deacon, and St. Anthony Mary Claire. Anyway, let's close. 
In one sense, of course, this may seem very surprising if we haven't heard it before. Some folks might find it hard to believe, but let's keep it in perspective. The idea that St. Thomas preached around the world is nowhere near as surprising or as hard to believe as a fact the Almighty God stooped down and became man in her womb. Or that there are men that actually whisper words, quiet words, over little pieces of bread, and that bread becomes a man, and that man is God. So the preaching journeys of St. Thomas are nothing compared to what's going to happen right up there on the altar in just a few minutes. Besides, even though on the one hand it might be a little surprising, on the other hand, it shouldn't be surprising at all. If we know that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that anyone who believed in him might not perish but have eternal life, is it any surprise that having sent his Son to his own, the Jews, who received him not, is it really any surprise that he sent his messengers out to the four corners of the earth, to the highways and the byways, to invite those in to the marriage feast he had prepared? Because after all, God desires the salvation of all men. Perhaps some might object. Hey, if St. Thomas brought the gospel to the Americas, why were the Indians such utter heathens when the Spaniards arrived 15 centuries later? The answer to that is ponder where we're going to be if we get, if the good Lord lets us keep going down this cultural trajectory we're on for another 10, 12, 15 centuries. Where are we going to be? Let's make this Christmas season a season of thanks. Let's turn to our little Lord Jesus and thank Him for the wonderful gift of faith that we've been given and beg Him for the grace to live and to die in that faith which has been announced to the whole world. The faith without which it is impossible to please God. Let's beg St. Thomas to obtain for us the grace to be not faithless, but to believe.